All right, for the last several weeks, we've been talking about a series that we've been on called Understanding Our Authority, and we're continuing with that. I don't know how long the series is going to go. Um, as a matter of fact, <clears throat> I'll just tell you that, that so far, this series has not gone as my original plan, and God will do that. He'll kind of give me the sort of rough outline the rough idea of what he wants me to talk about, and then I'll, I'll get started on that. And sometimes he'll take me in a completely different direction than I envisioned, and I've kind of done that in this series, or God has done it. Um, so today, uh, we're going to go to the book of Nehemiah as our master text. That's in your Old Testament, okay, the book of Nehemiah. If you can find Ezra, turn right, you'll run right into it. It's probably a uh, book that you spent some private time in this morning before you came to church, I'll bet. The book of Nehemiah, that was a joke. <laughs> I know not a lot of people spend, at least the people I talk to don't spend a lot of time in Nehemiah, but it's a really important book. Um, as you're turning there and finding that, let me just give you a, a little bit of uh, a time to, to find that if you're not as familiar with your Bibles. But in my Bible, it's on page 750, so if... Uh, that's a joke, too, because <clears throat> all Bibles are different, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Um, all right. Well, let me just, um, as you're turning there, uh, set this up for where we're going. This man, Nehemiah, was a Jewish exile to Babylon. When Babylon came in and, and sacked Jerusalem and uh, Israel, they killed a bunch of people. But then they captured others and took them into exile in Babylon. So this uh, man, Nehemiah, was an exile in Babylon. He was a godly man, but now he lived in this pagan culture. Must have been very disconcerting to come out of one nation doing things a certain way, honoring God, and then into this other nation that's completely pagan. And he had become a cupbearer to the pagan king Artaxerxes. And when he had learned... Uh, while he was there, that the wall of Jerusalem had been broken down and its gates burned with fire, he uh, immediately got a vision for the rebuilding of that wall and the city. So in chapter 1, we're going to read from chapter 2 in a minute, but in chapter 1, uh, Nehemiah set himself to fasting and prayer that God would bring restoration. So in chapter 2, Nehemiah, you know, again, he, he prayed fasted and prayed, but he didn't leave it at that. He didn't leave it at just fasting and praying. And so in chapter 2, Nehemiah, this lowly cupbearer, got a vision of himself taking up that work. He got a vision of himself taking up that work. See, he didn't just pray, but he rolled up his sleeves and made himself available to God. In essence, Nehemiah was saying, here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am, Lord, use me. So with that as a backdrop, let's go to our master text in Nehemiah, verses 1, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And if you're already there, go ahead and stand up with me, and let's honor the reading of the word. Praise God. All right, verse 1, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine, and this is Nehemiah speaking, by the way, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. 
I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to him, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, And if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take? And when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my requests. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, in that reading, notice that Nehemiah set a goal. He got a vision first. And then he set a goal, he gave it a rough time frame, and made plans for the travel and the beginning of the project. He fasted and prayed first, and then he set himself to take up the work of the Lord wherever he saw a need. That's a key phrase right there. He set up to take up the work of the Lord wherever he saw a need. Now, the rest of the book of Nehemiah is about the victories and the perils of completing that project. Now, again, who was Nehemiah? Was he a great man in the eyes of the world? No. He was a lowly cupbearer to a pagan king. But he had a vision for something higher. See, when he had fasted and prayed, seeking the favor of the Lord, God granted him favor as Nehemiah moved forward to take upon this project. And that example of Nehemiah gives us a picture of walking in our authority, which is what we've been talking about these last several weeks, walking in our authority in Christ. See, you don't have to be someone with a big name or a big position because you serve a big God. And he can do anything, even through you and even through me, praise God. And that's especially true when people are working together in unity, as we talked about last week. With that said, look at the screen. There's a very important principle for this teaching today. A vision for the future will change the way you see yourself and change the way you live. And this is what happened with Nehemiah. His vision for the future changed the way that he saw himself. He was a lowly cupbearer, but once this vision was birthed in his heart by God, it changed the way that he saw himself. So a vision for your future will change the way you see yourself and change the way you live. Now, I like this passage that's also on the screen for you, Proverbs 29, 18, that speaks to this. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Blessed is he who keeps the law. I also like the way that uh, the Holman Christian Standard Bible renders that. It says, without revelation, people run wild, but one who listens to instruction will be happy. One who listens to instruction will be happy. 
Without revelation, without a vision, the people run wild. They cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law or listens to instruction. Well, last week I made a statement that if you've been in church for any length of time, and especially if you've gotten any degree of solid teaching, then most people know what to do to maintain healthy relationships. But in most cases, they just don't do it. (laughs) And we talked a lot about that last week. And the reason that happens is because they don't see the bigger picture, you see. They don't see what they're sacrificing when they allow strife in their lives and their homes. They don't see the potential for being greatly used of God and honored of God if they would just choose peace over drama. If they could see the bigger picture of how unity multiplies spiritual power, they would get it right, and they would get it right right now in most cases. If they could really get that revelation of how unity multiplies spiritual power and what they're sacrificing by allowing strife into their lives and homes. So let me add to that thought from last week by saying that it's because people don't have a vision for the future that causes them to tolerate the demonic in their lives and their homes. See, remember, as I said last week, strife is demonic and hellish, and you need to treat it as such. And when there is no vision, that's when people tend to cast off restraint and allow certain things to linger in their lives and their homes that ought not be there. See, in short, having a a, a vision will cause you to shake off all the sin or other hindrances that hinder you from accomplishing your goal. Did you hear that? Without a vision, without a vision, you won't cast off that sin or the other hindrances that prevent you from accomplishing your goals. But when you get that vision, it will cause you to instead to take on things that will push you farther toward that goal. See, it's just like athletes, you know, when an athlete has a goal in mind, they don't mind taking on things like grueling practices that will propel them toward that goal and dispelling of things that would take them farther from the goal. If your goal is to get in shape, lose a little weight, well, then you understand that you're going to say no to things that will keep you from accomplishing that goal, and you're going to say yes to things that you hadn't said yes to before, that will cause you to propel toward that goal. Is that making sense? There are things in our lives that if we want to have a greater vision, if we want to take on the work of the Lord and accelerate His kingdom in our lives, enlarge our lives, there are certain things in our lives, sometimes that are sinful, and even sometimes things that are not sinful, that we're going to have to either eliminate or other things that we need to take on to propel us toward our goals. I like what... Pastor Bill Hybels said, and he said, vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. I like that. Vision is the picture of the future that produces passion. And I want to give you a a little personal example of that in, in my life, not my life specifically, but in my circle. And that's of my dad. You know, my dad is 88 years old now. And that's a picture of him and my son Drew on his right there. And he's building an airplane in his garage that, yes, 
he will fly. It's a two-passenger airplane. And this is what he's taking on at 88 years of age. And, you know, Steve Jobs said this, if you're working on something that you're really excited about, you don't have to be pushed. The vision pulls you. Now, my dad's body is racked with arthritis. He can, I mean, if you watch him walk, he can barely get around sometimes. Yet, somehow, he musters enough strength to get out there in his garage and build that airplane bit by bit, piece by piece, with his own hands at 88 years of age. Because there's a vision, you see, that's pushing him. He doesn't have to be, um, he actually pulls him, according to Steve Jobs' quote here, he doesn't have to be pushed. The vision pulls him. That makes sense? So our vision ought to be pulling us towards something greater. So what is our vision then where this ministry is concerned? And you should ask the same question where your life is concerned. Uh, what is our vision as a church, as a family, as me as an individual? What is our vision and what are we working toward? Well, ultimately, the expansion of God's kingdom um, in our community and world is our goal. The expansion of God's kingdom in our community and the world is our goal. That's the goal of this church. It should be the goal of your family, is to be involved in that process in some way, shape, or form. So how is that accomplished? Well, the answer, the simple answer, step one, is one life at a time. One life at a time. You impacting, very simply, one life at a time. Well, where do you start then with that? Well, here again, very simple concept. You start with yourself and your household. You should write that down. Uh, start with myself and my household. That's where you begin. Let me elaborate on that point for a moment, if I may, here. See, you're, you're supposed to be a reflection of God's goodness in this world. I want to say that again. You and I are supposed to be a reflection of God's goodness in this world. But how can you be a representation of God's goodness in this world if your family is just as dysfunctional as everyone else's? See, remember, Jesus said that he came to give life and that more abundantly in John 10.10. 10. But just as true is the fact that Satan will try to rob you of that abundance. See, in that very same verse, Jesus said also that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And folks, if you keep giving in to him, that's exactly what he's going to do. If you keep giving in to strife and, and unrest and all kinds of contention in your life and your home, he, as Andrew Womack likes to say, he will eat your lunch and pop the bag. Okay? He's going to have a field day with you. If you keep giving in to him, he's going to have a field day with you. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give life and that more abundantly. So... If you resist the devil then and yield yourself to God, then you're going to find that, that the abundance of God begins to flow into your life slowly but surely, but very significantly over time. I said a couple of weeks ago that your life right now is the sum total of the seeds that you have sown that you're now reaping. And I always like to qualify that by saying that sometimes things happen that are outside of your control, decisions that other people have made that were outside of your, your control. But 
a lot of times in other respects, the harvest that you're now eating from is a result of the seeds that you planted in the past. You're eating from your own harvest at the moment to a large degree. And if you don't like what you're eating from your own harvest right now, well, the solution is simple. All you have to do is plant different seeds, and over time, you're going to get a different harvest. Okay? That's how this works. You know, if you planted garlic, you're not going to yield sweet potatoes. So if you don't like your garlic harvest, we'll stop planting garlic, start planting some sweet potatoes, and you're going to get sweet potatoes over time. And you know what? If you have planted seeds of strife in your life, well, folks, you're not going to get peace. You're going to get discord and unrest. But if you want peace, then sow peace, and then eventually you'll get more peace. That's the way it works. Everything in God's kingdom is sowing and reaping. That's a very basic Christianity 101 principle that you've got to get right there. Everything in God's kingdom, and not just in God's kingdom, in life in general. That's why that word karma is out there. That's just basically the world's way of saying sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Okay? Everything that you sow, the Bible says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap in time. So if you want peace, stop sowing unrest and sow peace, and you'll get peace. That's how it works. And this is important right here, too. Uh, when we make a habit of submitting to God and resisting the devil, then it's easier to see the bigger picture that we've been talking about. And God will begin at that point to shape a vision for your life and what he wants to accomplish through you. But if you're constantly fighting these internal battles in your life and your home, you won't see a vision any bigger than the end of your nose. I know some of our noses are bigger than others. And <laughs> Drew one time said to me, Dad, your nose is so big. So in order to see past the end of my nose, my vision has to be pretty big. Anyway. If you're constantly fighting internal battles, you can't see past the end of your nose, okay? Um, you can't see into the future, you see, if you're shackled by all this internal conflict. You know, I just, I love watching how God works through certain people. And I think it's especially fun when I see God working through all of you. And a few months ago, for example, uh, God brought Crystal Scroggum into our, our congregation. Where's Crystal? Raise your hand, Crystal. Where is she? Oh, there you are, way back in the back. So there's Crystal. So a few months ago, God brought Crystal into our congregation, and she really got her life on track with God and really started serving him passionately. You could tell, very dramatic change. And she told me last week that her husband told her that she's not the same woman that he married. <laughs> Praise God. God is changing her. See, and as she has submitted herself to God and allowed God to have ultimate authority in her life, guess what? She has now developed a vision for her life that's beyond herself. Okay? She now has a vision to, to help others and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and I'm following her on Facebook, by the way, and I can tell you, 
Crystal, who's only really been serving the Lord for a few months, passionately anyway, has become an evangelist. Mm, I love seeing I love seeing that. She's preaching the gospel in the way that she can do it right now, allowing God to use her with whatever is at her disposal at the moment. And, uh, you know, while everything in, in Crystal's life isn't perfect right now, she still has some concerns about uh, family members and such. Nevertheless, she has a vision beyond herself and see God can use that. And listen, folks, that's what this whole thing is all about. God's kingdom is about seeing beyond yourself. You ought to write that statement down right there. God's kingdom is seeing beyond yourself. It's not just all about us four and no more in your household. If God's kingdom is about anything, it's touching others. Okay? God's kingdom is seeing beyond yourself. Now, let me tie this once again into last week's teaching on strife. Another reason why you need to banish disharmony and strife from your life is because those things can dim your vision. Can dim your vision. It can hinder us seeing the bigger picture, you see, uh, that we've been talking about. And this little nugget right here may help you. Proverbs 13.10 tells us that ultimately... It's one's own pride that leads to contention. Ouch. It's one's own pride that leads to contention. It's pride that causes strife. So if we want to see the bigger picture, the vision that God wants to give us, then we have to strive toward peace so that we can get a better focus of what that vision is. Okay? And... In striving toward peace, by the way, there's going to be a lot of times when you have to take it on the chin and not respond to people the way that you want to. Okay. All right. Now listen. For example, I have an extended family member who I shared the gospel with recently, and uh, I, um, I expressed my concerns for this person's salvation. Now, this person was raised in church, by the way, so she knows a good bit of the Bible. But when I shared my concerns with her, she absolutely unloaded on me. I mean, you talk about persecution. I mean, you know, I didn't get a beating or anything, but verbally I sure did. She unloaded on me. And I'll admit, I was so tempted to unload back. But I held my peace. Well, why did I respond to that person that way? Why didn't I give her a piece of my mind as well? Well, because, folks, I have a vision bigger than just winning an argument. Okay? I have a vision of winning a war. And I know I can't win the war if, the, if I allow the enemy to take me out all the time in these little skirmishes. Does that make sense at all? Okay? So if I want to have an impact on my world, folks, I have to represent Christ well in all situations to the best of my ability. And folks, listen, when you get your own house in order, it's then that the Holy Spirit really starts giving you a bigger vision that's outside of your own family. A vision to help other people to get their houses in order. A vision to help to expand God's kingdom with whatever is in your hands right now. Okay? Are you tracking with me? 
Okay. Now, here's another related principle right here. Uh, God has given you a, a vision or a mission to impact your world. And if you don't know where to start, well, just start where you are. On the job, uh, with uh, your extended family members, some of your friends, the people in your circle. Just like Crystal is doing. Start where you are. Start with what you know what to do now. See, God can use you. Don't ever think that he can't. See, you just have to start where you are, and that may be very small at first, possibly, but that's okay. See, because if you're faithful to that, those small things that are in front of you right now, God will enlarge your vision when you start doing that and begin to entrust you with more. Now, Joseph in the Bible comes to mind, for example, and Joseph was faithful to what God had entrusted to him even at his very lowest point in his life. See, God had given Joseph two wonderful abilities. Uh, one was administration abilities, and the other one was to interpret dreams. Two wonderful abilities. So even when Joseph was in a dark dungeon, having been arrested in Egypt for a crime that he didn't commit, falsely accused and apparently cast aside by God and society, Joseph was, was faithful to give back even there at his lowest point. So he put his administrative skills to work there in that dungeon and, and actually became an assistant to the prison warden and oversaw all that went on. And when an opportunity presented itself for him to use his dream interpreting gift, he was faithful to that even there with people who were in prison with him, people that didn't seem to matter. And God blessed him for his faithfulness. And ultimately, you know the end of the story, Joseph ended up becoming one of the greatest rulers in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. So God blessed him for his faithfulness to use what God had put in his hands even at the lowest point of his life to bless others. It wasn't all about Joseph. God has given me these gifts and abilities, so I'm obligated in whatever situation I'm in to go ahead and give back and pay it forward, as the saying goes, and to be a blessing to other people, regardless of where I am, who I'm with, or what situation I'm in. Now, one caution here. Maybe you already have a vision for something beyond yourself, and that's good. Uh, as a matter of fact, many times a, a God-given dream is going to require faith, faith, because if, if it's just something that you can do in your own strength and in your own power, so, well, that doesn't require faith, okay? So God will sometimes put something in your heart that you can't possibly accomplish on your own. So big visions are good, but don't be deceived into thinking that just because you have a big dream that you shouldn't do the small things that are in front of you right now. See, as a matter of fact, you may not have a vision for anything grand at the moment, but if you're faithful to the little things that are in front of you right now, then God may start planting a bigger vision in your heart over time. That's often the way that it works. So here's a hugely important principle right here. Look at the screen. Just blossom where you are planted. 
Huge right there. Just blossom where you're planted. Do whatever you can, wherever you can, with whoever you can. See, it's a huge mistake to have your sights set out there for something that's out there somewhere and miss what's in front of you right now. It's a huge mistake to think, oh, I'm called to this or that, so I'm just going to sit here and wait for God to bring it to pass. Mm, terrible mistake. Listen, if you're not faithful to what's in front of you right now, the opportunities for you to serve and expand God's kingdom right now with where you are, with the people that you're involved with, with what God has put in your hands right now, if you're not faithful to that, that bigger thing that you have in your heart will never come to pass. It never will. See, when you're faithful with those little assignments, God will entrust you with more. And that's what Joseph did. And that's what Nehemiah did. See, I'm convinced that if Joseph had just said, I feel abandoned by God and abandoned by society. Why am I in this, in this dungeon for something that I didn't do, falsely accused? And if he just got despondent and said, the heck with all this, and refused to use his gifts in that situation with those people, if he wouldn't have been faithful to that place at that time, we would have never read about Joseph further beyond that point. He would never have risen to the place that he rose to in being a ruler in Egypt. He had to be faithful with where he was right now with the seemingly insignificant and small things that were in front of him right now in order for God to trust him with the larger assignment that he had in his life. Does that make sense at all? Okay? So that's what Joseph did, and that's what Nehemiah did. Now, I want to give you a really important perspective here out of Rick Renner's excellent book, Turn Your God-Given Dreams into Reality. I think this will really help some of you, especially those of you that maybe you've got a vague dream, but you don't know where to start, or maybe you don't have a dream at all and don't know how to develop one. Well, here's a principle right here. I'm going to just read word for word from Rick Renner's book, so follow along with me. I believe in the law of sowing and reaping, he says, as one of the basic principles of life. Galatians 6, 7 teaches that what you sow, you will reap. If you want to reap glorious results from the dreams God has placed in your heart, you will have to sow some seeds to give birth to those dreams and then nurture them to maturity in your life. Praise God. He goes on. This is why I highly recommend the following. If you don't yet know how to get started on fulfilling your dream, you should get involved in helping someone else fulfill his dream. What you do for others will come back to you. That's one aspect of the law of sowing and reaping. He goes on to say, it's important that you take advantage of this preparation time in your life. Use it as a season to invest in your own future by sowing seeds into someone else's future. Those seeds of being a blessing to someone else will eventually come back to you as a harvest of blessing in your own life, ministry, or business. And boy, folks, that is the truth. A lot of times people get a, a vision for what God has called them to, and they'll rush right out and uh, they'll forget about everybody else and try to make that thing happen. I want to tell you once again, some of you haven't heard me tell this, but those of you that have been around for a while have, but one of the teachers and preachers I followed for years is Pastor Keith Moore. 
Now, Keith Moore uh, was uh, part of Kenneth Hagin's ministry when Kenneth Hagin Sr. was still alive. And he served in Kenneth Hagin's ministry for 20 years as just an assistant to him and also a, um, an understudy and, and a teacher. Um, and Keith Moore, 10 years into his ministry serving Kenneth Hagin, began to get a vision for his own ministry. And God told him very specifically, not only through his, his own revelation, but through another prophet, that he's going to have his own ministry someday. Well, guess what Keith Moore did at that moment? Nothing. He just stayed put, waited for the right timing, continued to pray into that, but he hadn't been released yet. The vision was birthed, but God hadn't given him release from Kenneth Hagin's ministry. So he just continued to serve Kenneth Hagin. Year after year went by. Another 10 years went by until God finally put it in place. All the parts had come together. Kenneth Hagin saw that there was a call in this man's life and released him out into his own ministry. And because Keith Moore was faithful to just stay put and continue to serve this man that God had put him uh, alongside to serve and waited for the right timing, didn't just go out and try to make his own ministry happen, he was humble and sat back and served God by serving this man that he had put him under for another 10 years. But... When the time came for him to launch his own ministry, it's like God shot him out of a cannon. Yeah. It was like almost overnight, quote unquote, success. But it wasn't over, overnight success. God had been grooming him for 20 years. And he had to stay put, even though he knew that he had a, a ministry birthing in his own heart. He had to stay put for another 10 years until he was sure that God had called him out at the right time. And when that happened, it was Boom! He, he was like almost an overnight international name. And that's the way things work a lot of times. God will take you through a grooming process like Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years before God called him back to Egypt to lead the people out of Egypt. Amen. So don't feel like if you're on the shelf right now, if you're discarded, if nothing seems to be happening, it's a grooming process in your life. It's a testing process in your life. He's got you in, ladies and gentlemen. So just because you have a vision doesn't mean necessarily that you have to launch right out right now and make it happen. Wait for God's timing. Wait for all the pieces to be put in place. And if you don't have a vision right now, and even if you do, here's a principle right here. God wants to enlarge your vision. He wants to enlarge your vision. See, here's a, a really important principle right here. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. So, as a matter of fact, Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3 says this. And, and this was God speaking to the people of Israel in a certain time in their history. But this is definitely something that we can apply to ourselves. God said to them through the prophet Isaiah, Enlarge the sight of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not hold back. Lengthen your ropes and drive your stakes deep, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. So he's telling them, 
I have in mind for you increase, but I want you to prepare for the increase. I want you to take me at my word and exercise some faith and begin stretching out your stakes and expanding your borders right now in preparation for the increase that I want to bring to you. And that's the same thing he wants to do for us. That's a really good principle right there for us. If we're really walking in faith and we're believing God for enlargement, start preparing for that enlargement. There's another very interesting scripture, it's an interesting visual. Uh, It says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. It's almost like I picture those little baby birds when their mother comes to feed them and they've got their mouths open as wide as they can get it. Okay, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. In one of my earlier teachings in this series, I talked about not limiting God by our unbelief. And that's something the Lord has really been dealing with me personally about lately. So I want to share with you a little bit about what God's dealing with me about, because some of this involves uh, some or maybe even all of you. So God's given, given me a vision for impacting a region with this ministry beyond Columbus. Um, and here's the vision I'm praying into. He, I, I believe that he instructed me to print out a map of Indiana and draw a circle around the region that he's wanting us to impact beyond just Columbus. So here it is right here. I don't know if you can see that very well, but Columbus is right in the middle there. And then on the outskirts of that is Bedford, Bloomington, uh, Greenwood, uh, Greensburg, uh, Madison's in there. And uh, so I've been praying into that so that that region stretches way beyond Columbus. And by the way, we're already, uh, God's already doing this in our congregation. Um, As a matter of fact, uh, LaDonna drives all the way from Bloomington. Um, Some of you drive from Greensburg and from the the Nineveh and uh, the Trafalgar areas. Uh, Bill and Kim Frank drive all the way from Scottsburg. So this is already happening. Um, But I just believe that God wanted me to have this visual that I can be praying into that we can uh, expand our ministry beyond just the Columbus area. But then God stretched me further. And Donna came to me the other day and suggested that I start putting um, some of my teachings on video out on uh, YouTube. And I didn't respond to that suggestion very positively at first. Okay. Uh, first of all, I thought it would be way too much work on me, and I'm already spread pretty thin. And I'm just going to be really transparent with you and honest with you for a moment, just to let you know we all kind of struggle with the same thing sometimes. When she made that suggestion, I thought to myself, you know, I have a face made for radio. <laughs> right? That's what I thought. No one wants to see this face on their TV or computer screen. So, no, I I don't want to do that. Uh, (laughs) Well, but but then let me let me tell you what God showed me. He started showing me things. And in his gentle way, he showed me the pride that's in my heart. Now, let me explain what I mean. You might say, well, what are your feelings about not Wanting to go on uh, social media be an example of humility? Well, no, not in this case. 
Because God showed me that if I turn away from an opportunity to share his word on a larger scale, just because I don't like the way that my face looks on a screen, that's pride. That's vain, folks. That's vain. You see, very often, if we're going to follow a call of God in our lives, ladies and gentlemen, we have to swallow our pride. See, God will see to it that he calls you to something where you don't get the glory, but he gets all of it. So after some thought and prayer about Donna's suggestion, I said, okay, Lord, uh, I'm at your disposal. I'm at your disposal. It may not be pretty, but if you're in it, I know that it will be fruitful. And that former way that I was thinking anyway was stupid. Because, you know, of all the people that God has used greatly in this world over the generations, a vast majority of them haven't been much to look at, right? As a matter of fact, it was Abraham Lincoln who once said, God loves ordinary looking people. That's why he made so many of them. (laughs) Okay? So if you were thinking thoughts similar to mine, that God can't use you because you're too tall or too short or too skinny or too fat or too young or too old. Well, folks, listen, once again, we are limiting God by thinking those thoughts. See, let's enlarge our vision, stretch out your stakes, because God is not limited to a person's appearance or our intelligence or even our level of education. He is God. He can do anything. And we're here to just say yes to his assignment that he is calling us to do. So let me summarize uh, a few thoughts here, and then we're going to have a few more discussion points, and then we're going to close. So where we've been so far in this teaching then, let me summarize. A vision for the future will, will change the way you see yourself and refine your behavior because you're preparing yourself for things to come. Amen. And the expansion of God's kingdom begins with yourself and with your household. See, Satan wants you to walk in sin because if he can keep you beaten down with your own character issues, you're going to feel so inadequate and so so much shackled with shame that you're not going to feel worthy to go out and do anything important for God. That's all a lie of Satan, by the way, but that's one of his reasons why he wants to, to keep you in cycles of sin so that you don't feel adequate or worthy to do much for the Lord. From there, it extends to others one life at a time, you touching other people's lives in whatever way that you can do it. Okay, And then, such an important principle right here, blossom where you're planted. Satan will always try to make you think that the grass is greener on the other side. But if God plants you someplace... Blossom where you're planted and use whatever is at your disposal at the moment, whatever that is, whether it's Facebook or whether it's something else. And if you have a dream that you want to come to pass, then one way to bring that to pass is to help someone else fulfill their dream because the kingdom is about sowing and reaping. And prepare now for increase. Enlarge your vision. Make preparations for that increase. Now, I'll just give you one example of this. You know, at one point, we had about half the chairs in here that we used to have. And um, we had a a bunch of these chairs in storage in this building. 
And I was in that storage room one day, and the Lord just, he seemed to tell me, pull all the chairs out of here and put them out in the room. And I'm like, Lord, we're like 40 people right now. I mean, that's going to swallow everybody. And the Lord just basically said, put them all out and believe me for increase. And I did. And our congregation has more than doubled since I did that. So prepare now for increase. And by the way, we have 30 more chairs coming in. So we're, we're preparing for even more increase. Okay, we're just believing God and taking a step. We're putting our foot in the Red Sea and then allowing God to part the Red Sea. We're, you know, sometimes you have to make the first step, right? Okay, so that's our summary points. So, I, I, so listen, I'm getting you ready to come down home stretch here, but I have a few more thoughts that I want to give you before we close. I'm convinced, after seeing what's going on in the church community in Columbus, and hearing people talk about some of their experiences around town, that this region of Indiana really needs what this church has to offer. Amen. Now, listen, I know that there's a lot of other great churches out there, but, but in learning more about this church community in Columbus, I'm beginning to see what God is trying to do in this congregation. This region of Indiana really needs this church and what God has planted in this church and what this church has to offer. You know, last week, um, someone was telling me about a church building that she thought might be vacant because, you know, we're, we're looking for a, a building to buy of our own. So I went to this church's website that was suggested to me to see if that church uh, was still intact. And I was so saddened and shocked to see that that church, and I'm using that term very loosely, is now being pastored by a lesbian woman right here in Columbus. And that's not the only congregation that's like that, by the way. And there are so many churches now, uh, even if they aren't in outright apostasy like that, have nevertheless watered things down to such an extent that the people who are really hungry for the deeper things of God go to some of those services and they come away feeling either very empty and or extremely frustrated. As a matter of fact, I can remember when Donna and I were worship ministers at a, at a church for the better part of a decade, and we loved that church, but it was so far away, and the, our, we had a young family, and we were stretched so thin with the multiple services that we were doing that we finally um, stepped down from that. And we were looking around in the Greenwood area where we lived at that time. We were looking around for a church, and we, man, we went through, what was it, Donna, like something like two years of bouncing around to all these churches and, and going, really? Is this all this town has to offer in terms of churches? I mean, it was so shallow, so entertainment-oriented. It was so disappointing. Sometimes I would come home from church, had, having visited another church, and I would feel despondent. It's like, honestly, I, can we not do any better than this? And I almost began to think that something was wrong with me for not being able to plug in to some of these churches. But we live in a church culture now that just, it's a, they're a mile wide and an inch deep so often. And I know there's some great churches out there, folks. Listen, but what I'm trying to get across to you is that, that I believe that this region of Indiana, Bartholomew County and beyond, really needs what this church has to offer. So I'm beginning to see, I, I've never really saw it like 
I have recently. I'm, I'm beginning to see what God is trying to do in this church by raising up a body that teaches the full, uncompromised counsel of God and not caring who it offends. Yeah, go ahead. But I've been guilty of thinking small, I admit. See, I've, just, I've seen our church as just a little kernel of wheat in a giant field of kernels. But God is starting to enlarge my thinking and allowing me to see how much this community and this region of Indiana, and yes, maybe even the world, needs what he has planted here in this little church and this little town. And so often God loves to use the small, seemingly insignificant things to do mighty works. That's why he chose those blue-collar disciples. Jesus did. People that didn't seem to have much to offer, but yeah, those are the guys that I want to change the world with. Because they're simpletons, they're simple guys. So God likes choosing the small, simple things of the world to confound the wise and expand his kingdom. So then, having said that, we're preparing to start recording these messages on video and then put them out there on the internet, and let's just see what the Lord does with this. Yeah? So, listen, if you have a vision for, uh, about how God might help to use you in uh, accomplishing the mission of reaching more people through this ministry, well, I want to talk to you, because uh, maybe there's a, a part that God wants you to play in that. You see, listen, one of the ways that God wants to use you is in the context of the body of Christ. Now, God will use you outside of the church building as well, and he's already using many of you outside of the church building. But one of the ways that God wants to use you is in the context of the body of Christ, and that's one of the many reasons that he wants you to be a part of a body of believers, because there's work to do in the body. Amen. See, you have a critical part to play, even if it's only prayer and fasting. Okay? So what I'm encouraging you to do here is, listen, what I'm encouraging you to do here, folks, is to get a vision bigger than just you and your household. I want to say that again. I'm encouraging you, I believe God is encouraging you to get a vision that's bigger than just you and your household. And when you get a hold of that vision that God has given you, then that will change the way you see yourself, which will change the way you live, and that will change your destiny. Okay, I'm going to end on this thought right here. I grew up loving sports, and one of the ways that sports parallels the body of Christ is with a, a saying that I've heard a lot in sports circles, that there's no I in team. Have you ever heard that? There's no I in team. Um, and that, uh, that really parallels the body of Christ, I think. See, if you're a part of a team, it's not all about you anymore. Okay? It's about the bigger picture, uh, the vision of what that team has come together to accomplish. And God's kingdom is a team. And indeed, there's no I in his team either. Okay? It's not all about you folks. It's about his kingdom. And that means we're going to have to pull together to make things happen that are bigger than ourselves. And in that context of working together, our personal growth really starts to accelerate. I've often said that, you know, you parents really ought to get your kids used to serving in the church because there's something about just serving that causes you to grow in Christ. 
See, that's another reason why God wants you to be a part of a, of a ministry, because it's an opportunity to serve in some ways. So once again, that serving, that serving together with other people really starts to cause our own personal growth to accelerate, and we really start to impact the kingdom of God in a greater way when we start doing that. You see, we, we can learn some things about basketball, as an example, just by reading about basketball. But you're never really going to master it until you get out there on the court and start doing it, right? And you can learn a lot of spiritual things just by reading the Bible and grow closer to the Lord just by reading the Bible all by yourself. That's very, very true. But you know what? Until you start getting out there and applying what you learn and exercising your faith out beyond your own house, you're never really going to impact people's lives or help to advance the kingdom in any significant way. It's only when we start applying our faith and getting out there and touching people's lives and working together to advance God's kingdom, that's when we start to really accelerate our own personal growth when we're serving together as a team like that. And, you know, I'm excited, by the way, that what God has in mind for this team here at Blessed Life Fellowship, I'm excited about what God might have in mind for this team at Blessed Life Fellowship because there's some pretty special people that he's assembled here. Wouldn't you agree with that? I'm looking at some pretty special people right now that God has assembled here. And he has a reason for this. He has a reason for this. You're not here by accident. God has ordained this because he has a, something for you in mind to do. He's got something in mind for you to grow in, some areas of your life that he wants you to grow in. But it's all about working together, folks, to expand his kingdom in a much greater way than just you and your household. If your vision is no bigger than just you and your household, you're not going to do much for the body of Christ. But when you say, you know what? God has taught me a lot in his word. Maybe I ought to go out and do something with my knowledge now and serve in the church, serve in the community, and see if I can touch people's lives and expand the body of Christ in a greater way. That makes sense at all? Stand up and let's pray. Hallelujah. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Andy Robbins and Blessed Life Fellowship. For more teaching and ministry resources, go to the church website at www.blessedlifefellowship.org. Thanks for listening, and may God's grace and favor shine on you.